My name is Terry Pierce, and I'm the lead pastor here at Connect Church, and uh, it is such a privilege to be sharing with you guys. For years, uh, I have taught you guys that my favorite book of the Bible uh, is the Gospel of John, and uh, not only it is, I'm sorry, it's a favorite gospel account, but it's probably my favorite book of the Bible as well. I love how it just tells us the relational part of Jesus and all that goes on there, but I got to be honest with you. My heart's starting to shift, and it's because of you guys. You guys are eating up this sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. We're talking to you about God's plan, the Gospel of Luke. And in this sermon series, we're discovering the fact that, man, how cool is it that God has a plan for our lives. And not only does God have a plan for our lives, but you guys have been taking this in. I'm telling you, it has sort of shifted me that it may be my new favorite book of the Bible. So thank you guys for just taking all of this in. And so, hang on, I'm not sure what's going on. We get it. All right, hang on. So, all right, where's, yeah. Tanner, we may need you in the sound room. So, all right, anyway, so we'll get it figured out. And uh, here's where we want you guys to know and experience this part of this. So Charles Dickens' most memorable line can be, a uh, can be applied to the first day of Jesus' ministry. Do you guys remember in school what Charles Dickens, what is his greatest line that he ever said? These are the best of times and these are the worst of times. And I think that really is a great summary of exactly what Jesus' first day on the job was really like. We're going to unpack for you this morning a really cool story of how Jesus' first day on the job, what it was really like. Do you remember your first day on the job? Do you remember whenever you got a new job or you were trying out a new job? Do you remember how you felt when you walked through the door and, man, you had that nervous anticipation are the people going to like me? You know, am I going to be able to do this job? And you walked in there and you had all of the things that were going on. And you're like, yes, I can do this. But then there was a certain segment of you in the room this morning, those of you watching, and you were like, oh, heck no, this is not cut out for me. Those are the kind of people I want to talk to you this morning about your first day of the job. So I, I did a social media question uh, for the sermon introduction. I asked you guys to tell me about some of y'all's first day of the job and this uh, on the job, and this is what some of you guys shared. Uh, one lady shared that she decided to do daycare. <laughs> she walks into the daycare, and she said, I realized about a couple of hours in, this was not for me. As soon as I got one screaming baby shut up, then four more erupted. And so the next day, she chose a new career. And then uh, some of the, uh, and then you guys that owns, uh, own businesses or that have employees under you, this is what you guys shared. And these were my favorites. And this is crazy that you said that you've had employees come to work for you and realize this is not cut out for them. And so on the morning break, they go to break in the morning 
and they never come back. <laughs> I love that. Literally, come to work during the morning break, they go out and smoke, and then never come back inside, and you never see them again. And so uh, those are some of the good ones. And then one of my other ones, one of the other ladies in our church shared that she said, you know what? She goes, when I was younger, I decided I wanted to work at Sonic. She has this bubbly personality. She likes to talk to people, blah, blah, blah. And so she said, I go to work at Sonic, and I'm so excited because I get to walk out and carry food and meet all these people, you know, carry it to the car, you know, and all that stuff and do all that. And she goes, but nobody told me I had to do math. And she said, they started giving me change and money and money and I had to give them change. And she goes, man, I didn't do math in school. So she goes, the next day I quit. Uh, she goes, nobody told me I had to do math. Anyway, uh, and so all of these, you know, different scenarios that you guys have had over the years with jobs and all these kind of things, and, and I love those. Well, here's my story about when you graduate from Bible college or when you're in Bible college and in seminary, your professors will tell you, listen, when you get out into the real ministry and you leave the campus, you need to know something. When you get your first church, Stanley, is, is going to be way different than you think. People's expectations of you are going to be way different than what you believe. Right now, you're in this little seminary world, and you think this is the way that all churches are going to respond to you, and they're all in love with Jesus, and you're going to go to that church, and they could care less about your vision and your dreams and all that. That's their church, and I'll never forget my first deacon looking at me in my very first church, and he just said, this was my introduction to ministry. He looked at me. And he said these words, listen, you need to know something right now, young man. I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you gone. Uh, and so I was like, whoa, yikes, a uh, little different expectations than I just thought everybody loved the gospel of Jesus Christ in John 3, 16, and I was going to preach that, but apparently the pew is more important than, anyway, uh, and just saying, and so I had a lot of expectations that would blow my mind as I would go into ministry. I had no idea, Terry, that what people would expect of me when I went into ministry, that they would tell me first thing out, when I not really cared about you taking the gospel to the neighborhood, but you need to wash the church van. When I was in South Georgia, you need to know preacher right here. If you're going to be a pastor, our church, you need to know how to boil peanuts. And so I learned how to boil peanuts. Uh, I, I had no idea that that was the goals and the mission statement that they wanted me after a seminary degree, uh, that those are the kind of things that I had to learn how to do. People's expectations of the pastor. And then it really got fun. Well, Pastor Terry, uh, my dog died. Do you do dog funerals? I was like, oh, I don't have a text for that. And then the real challenge came. I was willing to try. But then the cat lady asked me, she goes, you know, I had 17 cats die this week. And so I need you to do a cat funeral. And I'm going, not where they went. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you cat people. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, uh, but uh, <laughs> that's terrible. I am so sorry, Amanda. But anyway, uh, so cats probably go somewhere. All right, anyway, and so uh, you, we had all those. But here was my biggest one. So Stanley, I'm sitting visiting one of the older members of my first church. And um, expectations for the preacher. And he said, Brother Terry, he said, I want to talk to you, but I, I can't find my teeth. 
can you help put in my false teeth? And I was like, oh, I mean, I just, that was just, that one grossed me out. And I know that sounds terrible, but I had no idea where them teeth had been. Uh, and anyway, uh, and so those are the kind of expectations that I ran into in my early days uh, in ministry. Well, I want to share with you this morning that Jesus's first day, Jesus' first days on the job were a doozy. The expectations of the crowds were fast and furious. They had all kinds of expectations of Jesus. But what the crowds really failed to realize is that they were created by him. You realize this morning that just like in his day, his very first day to preach in the synagogue, his first day on the job is what we're going to look at this morning, that the expectations of the people were so wrong they totally misunderstood who he was. Do you realize that it's just this simple? They were created by him, and they missed it. Do you know why God created you? Some of y'all have been thinking that this morning. Man, I don't even know. Uh, why did God create you? He created you, and this is it, guys. Some of you are trying to find fulfillment in your career. In your job, with your marriage, with your kids, and it just isn't adding up. Let me explain to you why. You were created with one solo purpose. You have one job and purpose in your life, and that is to know Jesus. And matter of fact, that's exactly what I want to preach on to you. Too. That's what I want to. That's what I want to try to talk about. All right, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter this morning, chapter four. And we're going to share with you, how do we really know Jesus? You were made to know God. When Jesus arrived in Galilee to begin his public ministry in earnest, the religious leaders for centuries had set up their traditions and their practices within the synagogue. They had hundreds of rules to follow. New rabbis were expected to follow the protocol. And this clear picture of the Messiah is who they envisioned, but it wasn't the kind of person that they saw in Jesus. So when Jesus steps into the public scene, his, if it were, his first day on the job, because of their wrong expectations, he had a challenging job to do. What the people got, you listen to me this morning, what the people got on that day was not what they were looking for. Jesus didn't care what their expectations were. He simply would deliver a message his first day on the job in the synagogue, and he would tell them, he would tell them, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. This is who I am, and this is why I'm here. And this morning, I want you to hear Jesus's definition of who he is and why he's here. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the holy text? And Jesus returned in power in the spirit to Galilee, and we're going to come back to that in just a second. And a report about him went through all the surrounding country, and he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. So he's back in his hometown. Y'all get in the scene. And it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day, and, he, and as he stood up to read, 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. Now, I want you to get the context of this. And then we're going to read what he said. So get this. Y'all tracking with me? In the text, Jesus is his first day on the job mat. He's in the synagogue for the very first time. I don't know if some of you have never read this. And in the synagogue practice, and we're going to explain what it looked like, one of those practices was is they gave a rabbi a scroll to read. And, and Jesus is given a scroll. And guess what, Grant? Holy Spirit was in the room. He didn't read what they gave him. He read what the Spirit led him to read. And what he read declares unabashedly. I'm talking about you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Y'all need to get into this context because I'm telling you, it, the room was filled with anticipation. They knew this was different than any other boring sermon they'd ever heard in their life. And this is what Jesus read out of Isaiah 61. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering a sight to the blind, to set, all to set at all liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And at that point, you could have heard a pin drop. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What y'all just heard, this is who I am, and this is what I'm about. And all who spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? Remember, this is in his hometown, Nazareth. This is Joseph's kid. What in the flip is he doing up here? And he said unto them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard and you did at Capernaum, do, your, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say unto you, No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, and the heavens were shut up uh, three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things and all the synagogues were filled with wrath, we're going to explain that. And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill. Remember, his hometown was built so they could throw him down the cliff. Crazy story. But we're going to end the message with this phrase, amazing, that passing through their midst, he went away. You may be seated. Jesus came to his hometown. Jesus came to his hometown, Nazareth, and immediately goes to the synagogue to worship the Father. Can I just share something with you and just pause for a second? Don't have time to preach on this, but here's a novel thought. If Jesus goes to church and worships the Father, and this is his first day on the job, how much more should you and I worship God and be a part of his church? Watching online, whatever, you're here today. We need to be in his house, and we need to be worshiping. 
if it was important enough for Jesus to gather to worship, just saying, maybe it should be important to us. Jesus was in the community where he grew up. He's in the synagogue with these religious leaders. And there, they, these guys knew him best. This is his hometown. The, all of these people watch this guy. He's now 30 years old. And yet, they totally misunderstood who he was. They didn't get it because why? They had the wrong expectations. Over and over again, Dr. Luke has been making the argument. We're here in chapter four and we say this every week now is that Dr. Luke is making an important argument. He says the most important question that you and I can ever ask is to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? Let me ask you that this morning. How do you answer that? How do you answer that? Would you not agree? Are you with me, church, this morning? The most important question that any of us on this planet will ever ask is the question, who is Jesus? Amen? Y'all with me? Nod something. Be Are you awake? The most important question we will ever ask is who is Jesus? So how do you answer that? What are your expectations of who Jesus is. And let me ask you this. Is your view of Jesus correct? Is your view of Jesus correct? Is your view of Jesus biblical? Well, I don't know. I never thought about that. Well, you should. Because the whole purpose of this story is to relate to a group of people who totally misunderstood who Jesus was. And would you not agree with me this morning the most important thing about our lives is what we believe about Jesus. Who do we believe that he says he is? There's a second question that I want to ask you this morning. And again, I think it's paramount. Why did Jesus begin his first day on the job of his public ministry? Why did he preach in the synagogue? That's a valid question. Answer, look at the screen. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, I think this is important and significant for you and I to understand. Dr. Darrell Bott, uh, who is a New Testament scholar, brilliant dude, and he says this about this phrase. He says, you realize that Dr. Luke is making the argument that the Spirit of the living God led Jesus. This is an acclamation to the Trinity in the New Testament. The Spirit of God led Jesus. What did we learn last Sunday? To the wilderness. And what, did, and what did happen in the wilderness? The Spirit of God led him there, Bubba. And in the wilderness, Jesus would have the confrontation with the enemy. And who would deliver him? The Spirit of God would move to help deliver the Son. Now, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God leads him to his first day on the job to go preach in the synagogue. Can I throw out a, 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 an idea here? Maybe the reason you all are frustrated in your Christianity, you come to church and you feel like you don't get anything out of it. You feel like, well, this, you know, I just don't understand. I still got marriage problems. I still got, you know, problems at work. I still got problems raising my kids. I got problems with my high school. Brother Andrew and, Tan and Brother Terry preaches to me, and, and, but yet I got all this stuff going on in my life as teenagers. Can I throw this out at you? Maybe your expectations of Jesus 
are wrong. Maybe the Jesus you want is not the Jesus who is. We got quiet now. Maybe the problem is not Jesus, the church, and everything else. Maybe the problem is you. Our expectations of what we want. But Brother Tara, my mama taught me about Jesus. My Sunday school teacher taught me about Jesus. I used to have Bible preachers telling me about Jesus. And maybe all you ever got was up here. The difference in this text, the difference in knowing Jesus is when you listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, somebody clap. And by the way, shame on all y'all that's had your butts in the pew that have been saved all your life because the girl that just clapped in the back of the room just got saved two weeks ago and all she knows is the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of us need to get back to when we got saved and all we knew was the Spirit. Somebody say amen. Well, we got preaching now. That's not even in the sermon. But I'm telling you, our problem is, Miss Marie, is we know it up here. But we don't let the Holy Spirit teach us who Jesus really is. How much grace, how much love, how much he can save a little girl then he can surely handle my everyday problems. Without listening to the Spirit revealed to us about who Jesus is. And it's not just us. We've always, just like in the day of Jesus, right here in the synagogue, my favorite author, all time is C.S. Lewis. And here's what he says to this point. When you come to knowing God, the initiative lies on his side. This is money, guys. This is why you're frustrated with Jesus. If he does not show himself, nothing you can do will enable you to find him. Folks, I'm just telling you lovingly, if you want to know Jesus, then you have to start praying in the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who Jesus is. You're not going to find it in a book or anywhere else. And you need to go to Jesus, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. He is who he says he is. <laughs> Several years ago, um, our oldest son graduated from Bible college, and he Jody graduated with many more uh, accolades and uh, things than what I did. Uh, I was just, thank the loading. But anyway, uh, and uh, Aaron graduates from Bible college, and he gets offered. It's a long story. It's an incredible story uh, of how we had an evangelism speaker who was the chairman of evangelism department at Liberty University, happened to be here on a Sunday because I was getting my, finishing up my seminary degree, and he brought him in, and Aaron was here that day, and he offered Aaron a scholarship that weekend. It's just an incredible Holy Spirit deal, and so here's what happened. Our oldest son, gets offered a scholarship, and he says, listen, Aaron, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you uh, what we call in those kind of academic settings a professor's um, uh, an assistant, but basically an intern. And so Aaron, basically, in all practical terms, we put it down on your all's level, is that Aaron became the teacher's assistant. And so Belinda and I uh, drive out to Virginia to you know, see our son, his wife, and he's now in seminary. And so we go to the seminary, and he's so, you know, proud and showing us, you know, all of the, the buildings, and it's just a huge campus there at Liberty. And 
largest Christian university in the world. And so we're there, and we walk into the classroom with Dr. Wheeler, who teaches evangelism to bigger classes than what's even in here right now in this room. And lo and behold, so guess what, Avery? The teacher has a big old desk and all the screens and stuff, but Aaron has a little small desk right here on stage. So you got the professor teaching, and now picture in your mind, Aaron's sitting up there by the professor, by the teacher, and you know what I do. I'm going, oh, teacher's pet, uh, and you know, and so I start making fun of him, and I'm sort of, you know, going, oh, you get to sit by, you know, Dr. Wheeler, and I said, isn't that embarrassing? Do not all the other students come up to you and go, oh, Aaron, 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 he gets to sit by the, you know, the, the teacher and all that, and so, man, I'm just dogging on him. You know what pierces do. And then Aaron looks at me, because <clears throat> he's just little, so I had to look down. And anyway, and Aaron looks at me, and he said, uh, Dad, here's what you don't understand. He said, yes, the other students think I'm the teacher's pet, because I sit next to the professor. And yes, the students that are like you make fun of me, <laughs> and they give me a hard time. But he said, here's why I don't care, Dad. And here's what he shared with me. He said, I went to Dr. Wheeler and, and explained to him about that scenario. And Dr. Wheeler looked at Aaron and he said, basically in these words, he said, Aaron, you need to realize something. Son, I have called you into that position. He said, you have a privileged position to while everybody else is listening to the lecture, you're working on stuff for me. You get a chance to go back behind the scenes and let me pour into you. You're going to learn more by being my assistant than anybody else that's going to be in that classroom because you're going to be by my side and I'm going to pour into you. So Aaron, who cares what the rest of the students think? Look at the privilege that you get to have. And I'm saying to you this morning, that is the message that Jesus is revealing to you and I. Some of you are not enjoying Jesus. Some of of you have quit following Jesus because of what the crowd has said about you. The crowd has made fun of you. The other people are saying, oh, you're too fanatical. I'm telling you, why in the world would you settle to live what everybody else thinks about Jesus when he wants to tell you who he is? It's time that we receive the blessings and the privilege and being able to listen to Jesus as he is. Would you like to know how to do that this morning? Good, because that's why I'm here. Get out your nose this morning, and I'm going to share with you three practical takeaways from this text. Three implementing truths into your life and mine that will help us understand who Jesus is. Number one, he declares his message, and his mission. Luke stresses that Jesus faithfully attended the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he, in those services, he declares, this is my message, and here's the mission that I'm on. This is the priority of my life. Now, I know some of you are here this morning, and you're thinking like I did. Another good question. I love to ask questions. What was synagogue worship really like? I know Daniel's been dying to know this. And so synagogue worship, and this is what it was like to be back in the day. So this is the whole scene of Luke chapter 4. When you would walk into the synagogue back in the day, you would walk in and they would begin to read the Shema. Remember a few weeks ago we taught you what the Shema was. It was Deuteronomy, basically. It was the love God 
with all your heart and your neighbor. And so uh, the Shema was something that the Jews were wearing on their forehead, which is really stupid and retarded. Anyway, and, uh, but in this text, in this story, this is what you would do, is you would go in and you would listen to Deuteronomy, the Shema being read, and then they would stop. And just like we do in our church services, the synagogue would have a word of prayer. So this is what was going down when Jesus was there. So just put yourselves there. Then what you would do is you would take out the Torah. And the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. And another rabbi would read from the Torah. They would have another prayer. And then they would take the the, uh, the prophets. And they would pull out Isaiah. They would pull out Jeremiah. They would pull out Malachi or Micah. And so they would pull out the prophets and they would say and begin to read. And so hence, that's where Jesus comes in in this setting, in this context, and he begins to read the book of Isaiah. And so you and I now get a a sense of what was going down. But Dr. Edershine, and he's a great Old Testament scholar, he says this about the synagogue worship. On the Sabbath day, at least seven people were called up to read. So Jesus was just invited as the new rabbi in town, his hometown, to read. And now here's the really cool part. And we got a sense of this already. He reads from the book of Isaiah. And it's not random. He reads Isaiah 61. And again, would you look at the screen because this is so holy ground stuff. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, if you're not even, you don't even have to be a Bible scholar this morning, and you can just sense that man, the room, had a spirit about them. The, The drama in the room, you could cut the tension with a knife. Everyone is sitting on the edge of their chair, and Jesus is proclaiming, this is why I've come. This is my message, and this is my mission. I want you to understand, I have come to set you people free. Dr. Charles Swindoll summarizes it this way. The day of wrath is coming, but for now is the time of grace, which all who embrace the Messiah as their Savior will find mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, I need everybody to write this down. This is the gospel. This is what Connect Church stands for. This is the message and the mission that Jesus gave in the synagogue. It's what I'm still preaching, the same thing out of Isaiah 61, 2,000 years later. This is not a Terry Pierce thing. This is not a new fad thing. The day of wrath is coming. Here's what it simply means. Guess what? Jesus is coming back. Amen. Do you believe that? Jesus is coming back this morning. Somebody give God a round of applause. Are you ready to go? Well, you better, John Brown, be ready to go because when he comes back, he's going to take the saints with him. But know this, everybody else that did not believe in him, Chris, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess, and everybody that ignored and did not accept him, they're going to face the judgment. The day of wrath is coming. This is why we're so passionate at Connect Church to take the gospel to our community because we're preaching a message of grace. We're preaching today is a day of salvation. We're inviting you to embrace Jesus for who he is. And in that, 
you can find mercy. Amen? And so this morning, that is the message and the mission of Jesus. This is who he is, guys. Now, unfortunately, that message and that mission has gotten convoluted. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you. This is where some of the folks online are going to tune me out. This is where some of you are going to feel like walking out. You may. But my job is not to make you happy. I'm really good at that. My job is to preach to you the gospel. And in this message, and today's the day, because of the text of what Jesus says, we're going to come at you with a hard truth. And the hard truth is, in Isaiah 61, what Jesus quotes is he says, I've come to help the blind to see, to clean up the injustice that's going on in his day, and those that are illegally and irresponsibly been arrested, I come to set the captives free. His words, not mine. And I know where I'm at. And I'm not going to argue or debate with you on the political spectrum this morning. And if you want to see me after church, I'll be glad to tell you how I vote and where I'm at. But I'm going to hit it pretty hard this morning, so just get your big boy pants on. The truth of the matter is, the reason we're in such a mess in our nation is because the church has neglected the message and the mission together of Jesus. There is a whole shift in our country. There is a whole shift in churches that are called the progressive movement. And their whole maturation of coming to this place is because they feel like, and in part, accurately critical of the Bible-believing fundamental church. And their argument is, is that we have neglected the poor, we have not stood up for injustice, we have stayed silent when there's been racism rampant in our country. Yeah, I'm going there. And they have critically identified this problem. And this whole movement is called liberation theology. And you and us older folks may not know much about it, but I guarantee you, these guys are hearing it, these guys are reading about it, and I'm telling you, your, your, your grandchildren and anybody under the age of 30, they know what I'm speaking about. And in that gener- this generation, and so I'm going to speak to them this morning, and there's a criticism that is absolutely warranted because we have failed in many of these areas, and we need to own it, and we need to confess it, and we need to do something about it, and I'm going to tell you exactly what that looks like in just a second. And so now, my conservative folks are like, well, I'm out. And, and so I'm just telling you, hang on. Because we've convoluted the mission of Jesus in not doing and advocating our responsibilities. We've got whole groups of people that are declaring Jesus' mission is we've got to set all the injustices correct. We've got, to, we've got to take care of those that have been marginalized in our community. And here's 
my challenge to you and I this morning. I think it's time that we come together with the message and the mission of Jesus. I don't think it has to be either or. What I think needs to happen in a gospel, Bible-believing church that wants to be like Jesus is, as he says he is, then that means that we get up off our backsides in our church and we have a trunk or treat in our community and we say to the kids in our neighborhood, if you can't afford to go uh, trick or treat, if your parents don't have the means to take care of them, guess what? We're going to love on our neighborhood kids tonight and we're going to say you come and everything we're going to give them is absolutely free. It ain't a whole lot, but it's a step in the right direction. It means that we stand up because like it or not, I know all the controversies that are going on today. I know that there is so much injustice. Now, I'm going to speak to this this morning. Y'all can get mad, email the deacons, whatever you want. But my job is to preach the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not just one or the other. Now, here's the truth. We do have injustice in this country. And in my opinion, now, this is Terry. And I'm, I'm qualifying this. This is me. In my opinion, our main problem is not with the police. Yeah, there's a few bad apples out there. Fire their butts and get them out. But overall, the injustice that happens every day in this country, and we marginalize a group of people, is because if you don't have the right money, and if your skin is not the right color, then you don't get fair justice in this country. And I don't care whether you like it or not, it is the truth. Our problem is in our judicial system that we buy our way to justice and we have to have the right money and you have to be the right color and we need to clean it up. And the church has been silent. And preachers have been silent because we know we're going to get our backsides fired. But enough's enough. Jesus cared about the poor. Jesus cared about injustice. Jesus cared that whether you're red, yellow, or black, or white, you're all made in my image. And that'll preach in a southern church because that's who Jesus is. Now, how do we combine the two? The problem that I have with the liberation theology is they're right and that we need to care more. They're right that our church needs to be having Easter egg hunts. Do you know who comes to 2,000, 3,000 people come to our Easter egg hunt? You know who comes? It's mostly people with black skin, brown skin. And you know what? That's exactly who we should be ministering to because God loves them. We need to be, our church in the next eight weeks with our small groups that meet on Sunday night, are going to do over 20 service projects in this community. 20 service projects from the poor, the homeless, the needy. And you know what? What we're saying is we're not going to solve all the problems. Now, here's my point. Terry, my belief is to do what Jesus said for us to do, we have to take the message of Jesus, wrap it up, and our service of love. We need to earn the right to speak truth 
into the marginalized, into the needy of our community. And that's exactly what we're feebly trying to do here at Connect Church. We're not perfect at it. We're trying to get better with it. And by the way, don't you judge and go criticize me because I didn't go far enough with this. Get your backside in one of our small groups you start serving you start reaching out because i'm telling you our church is doing it and if you want to criticize you get involved first before you open your mouth talk is cheap so let's invest in our community and when we do and this is the difference where i break with my progressive friends is I'm not here to solve all your problems, but I'm here to give you Jesus because he can. You notice the difference? It is both together. Because listen to me, all of you that are on the left side of this issue, I got news for you. You can have all of the justice that you think that we can possibly have. You can put all of the political votes that you want to have. I got news for you. You're never going to vote justice into this country, whether you're Democrat or Republican. You're never going to solve the problems that we have in this country. Do you want to know why? Because we're cursed by sin. You can't take and minister to people until you help them realize every problem we have is a curse of sin and the only way we change is by the redemptive, glorious salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the message of Jesus. That's what cleans it up. That's what helps all the broken woundedness. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can help you out of the mess you're in. Amen? Man, I love you guys. Thank you for letting me share that, and hopefully I get to come back and preach next week. You guys. I got all my outline. But the Holy Spirit is, you guys are awesome. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit's telling me, shut it down now. This is what we need to walk out with. I got two more points. But I'm not going to share them with you this morning. I'm just telling the Holy Spirit's telling me enough's enough. This is who I am. You lift me up. You lift me up. You lift me up. And I'm telling you, I want to go to the last slide, Brian. Skip all the other stuff. I want to go to the last slide. And this is the reason we came today. Whew. I have not done this in a long time. But the Holy Spirit is moving in our hearts this morning. Can I tell you, I love you. Cool is it? How cool is it, Bubba? That I get to preach in a church and just hit it like I just hit it, and you guys to respond like you have. God's up to something way bigger than me, and He wants to bless you. And when we agree that we got to help people, but we got to give them the message of Jesus to really help them, and this is it. Today, this salvation is preached. 
And in your hearing, and this is my conclusion, just as it was then, believe in Jesus, trust him, repent of your sins, come to him in faith, and you will be saved. Do not miss the salvation that Jesus brings. Today, Jesus is calling. Today, Jesus wants to heal every broken part of your life. Jesus wants to launch us to go take his message and his mission. Amen, church. Are we on this? God help us. Wow. I don't even know what else to say, dear Heavenly. Father, I come before you this morning. And man, I've not had you do this to me in a long time. I'm just broken. But I get to preach your truth. And even when it's stuff that I don't want to say, that man, I was terrified that everybody's going to just walk out. But God, it's your heartbeat. (laughs) It's who you are. And we've got to quit being preachers who just give people what their expectations are. And we give them you. Because people don't need preachers. People don't even, in essence, need us. What they need is you. Now we find you in the church. And we listen and learn from preachers. But it's all about you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would just come this morning and just say, I believe in the message, in the mission of Jesus. And I want to be involved. I want to get saved. I want to pray right now this prayer, oh God, save me. Forgive me of my sins. God, redeem me, cleanse me. I am that sinner. Your Holy Spirit has convicted me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You rose again on the third day, and you can change me. The message of Jesus, his mission is so that you would be saved, a gospel of grace. This morning as we sing a verse of invitation, and God is leading you to simply come and say, I want to know more of this Jesus. Will you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.